Alright, here we go. Our first reader is going to be in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Uh, who's got that? John chapter 3. No, no, not y'all. No, y'all don't flip there. Just my reader. Sorry, just my reader. Sorry. That's why we're going to save a lot of time by doing it this way. John chapter 3. Who's got that one? Which one? Alright, John chapter 3. Go ahead and start reading the uh, first verses I have. 1 through 3. Alright, here we go. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Really quickly, it says, Nicodemus came to see Jesus. Number one thing you got to be thinking about when going to camp. You need to be present and be prepared to apply. Y'all following with me? you got to be present and be prepared to apply. Now, what does that exactly mean? We're going to kind of hit a couple of different things, but you get to see here, Nicodemus showing up and asking the right question, is that enough? Is that enough? All right, next verse, what you got, Nicky? Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Okay, so that's pretty interesting. So Judas is having this conversation with Jesus, right? And being born again, basically Jesus is telling Nicodemus about what? Salvation. How to get saved, right? So Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He's present. Now it seems like he may be a little bit prepared, right? And now the big question is, is he going to apply it? Is he going to apply it? Now also, Matt, y'all know John 3. What's John 3.16? Does anyone know it? Which I got? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That everlasting life. Y'all know who that was said to? Nicodemus. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. So go ahead and go flip to the last passage. It's in John 19.39. What you got, Nikki? Is that you? No, I got that one. Alright, here we go. I want y'all to follow along with me. Nicodemus was present. He was prepared. We don't know if Nicodemus applies till time passes. Y'all following with me? You can give the persona that you're there at camp physically and you're zoned out spiritually and everyone might think you're hearing great words and that you're responding and that you're hearing truth, but the problem's going to be six months down the road, did you apply it? So here with Nicodemus, we see he was present. We, we assume he's prepared because he's continued to ask questions. The real question for us is, did he apply it? Nicodemus, John 19, 39. What does it say for us, Alan? With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and I want y'all to think this is really cool. So whenever Jesus is on the cross, right, and he dies, it was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who did what with Jesus' body? They took it and put it in the tomb, right? And it says there that Nicodemus, he brought like all these different spices and different things like that, which is interesting, right? Because they just crucified him. Why would Nicodemus stand out and publicly say, hey, I'm going to take care of his body? Y'all following with me? And do you know what's really cool and it really kind of hit me today when I was reading through it? Can you imagine Nicodemus carrying the body of Jesus? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He's holding Jesus, the only begotten Son. Now we think John 3.16 means a lot to us. Can you believe what it means to Nicodemus? Because after he heard what was supposed to be done... He had a prepared heart, and now that he's applying it, later down the road, as time has passed, guess how much more it meant when he was there the first time with Jesus. Can you imagine that? 
He's literally holding the body, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have... What's that last phrase? Everlasting. Everlasting life, eternal life. You know what's crazy? What was Nicodemus' question? What must I do to have eternal life? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So we got another passage. I believe it's in... Well, what's our next one? I believe... Mark 10? He's got Mark 10 for us. Okay, Connor, go ahead and read that. Alright, so here we go. Hit us with it, Connor. That's kind of like a positive way. A positive way. Here we go, Connor. It's going to be negative. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Does this not sound a lot like what Nicodemus did? What was the question that he asked? What must I do to have eternal life? And what's crazy is this man, actually when he's coming up to Jesus, he's showing a little bit more emotion, right? What did he do? Oh, he fell to his knees, right? What did it say? What does the next verse say, Carl? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so now you get it. The question he asked was, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, can you tell me, was was he present? Was he there? Was his body physically there? Okay. Was he prepared? Okay, it seems like a little bit, right? He kind of has a couple questions. Maybe, Maybe we can't go exactly right. But the question he asked is, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus' response is basically telling him all the things that he did right. Is that not true? And what what does the young man say to Jesus? Yeah, I've done that. I've done all that. I'm here, aren't I? I came prepared. I hear what you're saying. I've done it. Now what does he say, Connor? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing he liked, he said... Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Whoa. Jesus tells him what? There's one thing you lack. There's one thing you lack. You have an idol that's above me right now, and it's your possessions. And although in front of this crowd you've come up with on your knees begging, come to, come to me pleading, come to me with tears, kind of, Saying, what must I do to have eternal life? Everyone else thinks, man, this guy, man, he's really feeling the spirit move. You know, he's, he's really gotten it. He's in the right place. He's talking to the right teacher. Man, he's about to get it. And then all of a sudden the guy says, Jesus speaks back to him. He says, but you have to give all your stuff away. What, is, what does the man respond with that? How does he respond? He leaves. It's not enough to be here physically present and spiritually elsewhere. The young man came to Jesus. He might have been there physically. He might have been prepared, but he had no intentions of applying what Jesus had to say. Do not waste the opportunity at camp just because you show up there and then say, God, do something. Knock me off my feet. I'm here. Do something. Now you've got to have a prepared heart and you've got to have a willingness to apply where God leads you. Y'all follow with me? Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on that. So we have a couple another, a couple of passages. I believe it's in uh, Acts 8. Who's got Acts 8 for me? Acts 8. Okay, 10. Right, is this making sense for point one? Okay, good, good. 
Uh, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go, to, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem. That's good. I get, it was like 20 verses. We've got to cut it short here, okay? Uh, real quick. Philip was told to do what? Can someone help me with what it was? Arise and do what? And go to the desert. Now we fast forward going on and on. He gets to share the gospel over there. He gets to lead the eunuch to the Lord. He actually gets to baptize him. But it's not enough for Philip just to show up. I can tell you all day long it's God's will for you to be at camp. But you are going to miss out on God's will if you don't show up spiritually ready to apply what God's going to show you that week. And now you're saying, well, James, you're only talking about camp. Hey, tonight, the same thing applies. You're here physically. I don't know if you're here spiritually. You could be elsewhere. Your mind could be way other places. I don't really know if you're prepared. And the real truth is going to be, are you going to apply what's said? Y'all following with me? This applies everywhere. Now, the, the example I was going to give y'all was a game that y'all know very well. Y'all know Scatterball, the game that we've been playing a lot lately? Okay, well, Scatterball is basically individual dodgeball, right? Alright, now, I just want to be very clear. It's individual dodgeball throughout the whole gym. There's six dodgeballs, usually. Is it enough? Well, let me, let, me, let me kind of slow down here. If Tammy says, you know what, I'm ready to play scatterball. And she stands in the middle of that gym, and we yell out, you know, scatterball, or Nikki ball, whatever, whatever way you want to call it. I know people refuse to call it that name. but Alright, so the ball's thrown up in the air. The ball's thrown up in the air. What good is it that Cammy stands in the middle of that gym floor? Okay, Ben, ben goes, no, 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 no. I've kind of tried that a little bit. What's going to happen to Cammy? She's going to get out. She's going to get hit. She's going to get mad. Now, here's the part that's crazy. It was not enough for Cammy to physically show up to play the game. And she's going to get frustrated. She's going to get mad because other people are playing the game and experiencing it and having fun and growing into the game, developing the skills of the game. But she's missing out because she just believes it's enough to be there and everything else is just going to happen around her. Does that make sense? Okay, very, very good. Um, next, next point we've got. Number two, I believe we're going to be in the passage. Actually, y'all's passage, John. Y'all want to go ahead and open it up? I think that's where we're at, John. Like I said, y'all, this is out of my routine. I'm usually just going verse by verse. This is a little bit tough. I believe we're in John. Yes. Yes, John, John. All right, second point we're going to have. Don't limit God with your human expectations of how He should act. Don't limit God with your human expectations on how God should act. Does that make sense? It's a little wordy. But it's very, very good. Who's got um, verse number... Let's go verse number 17. You want to start us off there, uh, Kelly? On chapter 11? Yeah, chapter 11. Remember, this is Jesus and this is Lazarus. Lazarus, sorry. All right, hit us with it, Kelly. Uh, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. All right, now Lazarus was sick, right? And what do they want Jesus to do? Heal him. Heal him. Come over here. Heal him. Hurry up. Now, what did Jesus do? He stayed a little bit longer, and now we get to see it had been four days, and now Lazarus is in the grave. Next verse, 21. Uh, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does Martha tell Jesus 
the only begotten son that's about to lay down his life for the sins of the world, what does Martha have the audacity to ask Jesus? To tell Jesus, basically. If you would have been here, if you would have fit the mold that I thought you should be, son of man, son of God, my brother wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have died. I prayed for healing. You gave death. It's on you. Verse number 35 through 36. Uh, Savannah? Wait, yeah, 35 through 36. Sorry, we're jumping. We've got to go quick. <laughs> 35, yes. Yeah, very, very long verse. Jesus wept. Okay, good, good. All right, so Jesus wept, and I want you to read the next verse. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Whoa. Whoa. Now, if Jesus acts in the box that Martha put him in and heals his brother, do the Jews get to see God's love for mankind? Does everyone get to see that Jesus cares about our emotions, cares about our griefs? Now, again, it would have been a miracle, right, if he would have healed, and they would probably would have been very, very thankful. But they missed out on the experience of God to deepen their relationship because they had a viewpoint of God sent Jesus to heal, and Jesus had bigger plans. Now, follow with me? So you might go into camp with this expectation of, man, I just want to experience, uh, you know, this. Or I just can't wait for, for that. Or, you know, God's going to have to do this sort of act. And then you're going to miss out on what God had for you. Because you've asked Jesus to, to, to move in a box that you've tried to place God in. Am I following with me? So the next verse that slides on down, remember we get to see Jesus wept. And everyone says, guess what? He loves Lazarus. Verse number 39 through 44. We're going to close out. This is the part that's cool. Um, same Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord said to Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Okay, so Martha basically says, Hey, he stinks. Keep going for things. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Whoa, whoa you would see the what? The glory, the glory of God. Not the desires of what you want me to do. I want you to experience the glory of God at camp. Not what you want God to do for your life. Are you following with me? You might be saying, man, I'm ready to go to camp so that way when I get back, my life will be better. My relationships will be better. Are you going to camp with the expectation of God, show me your glory? Because when I'm looking at your glory, I'm experiencing you on a much deeper level than if I get my needs satisfied. Because my needs today, you know, won't be my needs tomorrow. Are you following with me? This is cool stuff, right? So it keeps going uh, for the glory. But first number 41, keep going, Sandy. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse number 42. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Whoa. Right? Jesus had a bigger purpose than what Martha believed him to have. And same thing with the disciples. Verse number 43 says, And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. What would they have missed out on if God would have acted in the way that they thought he should? They would have missed out on Lazarus being raised from the dead. Isn't that crazy? They would have missed out on experiencing that Jesus loves them. That Jesus cares for them. Like I said, you don't see much emotion as Jesus is going to the cross, right? But you see emotion here. Jesus wept. And they knew that He loved them. That's pretty cool, right? So don't limit God with your expectations of how He should act. And I mean, I know I have, I have my own personal story about whenever my first sermon, it, it kind of fits that mold very, very good. But I'm not going to go there. I don't, I don't have time. So we're going to go to number three. Number three, y'all go ahead and everyone can flip here if you want. It's going to be Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. It'll be y'all's last flip for the night. Matthew chapter 13. We are running out of time. Running out of time. Unfortunately. Is it the same life we've been going for a while? Yeah, it's crazy. Man. Crazy. Okay, good. Point number one. Be present and be ready to apply. Point number two, don't limit God with your human expectations. Number three, this one's going to be a little bit tricky for you and it's not going to be as catchy as the other ones. I know actually the other ones aren't that catchy anyway, but number three. God is under attack. God is under attack. Alright, we're gonna see why we're gonna see why we have that one, because it's a little bit strange. Matthew chapter what did I say? Thirteen. Thirteen, thank you, all guys. I don't even know what I'm teaching tonight. Alright, Matthew chapter thirteen. Alright, verse number uh, twenty-four. Start with twenty-four. Uh, this parable, man, I've just studied over and over and over again. I'm just so infatuated with it. Uh, Kenny hit us with it. Verse number twenty-four. That might be the wrong way to use that word, but here we go. Okay? Verse number twenty-four. Jesus told Alright, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Y'all's versions might say weeds, it's very similar, but just understand that weed and tares, what it basically means is it has similar likeness, okay? The actual, I believe the Greek word is like a darnel, and it's the plants just look very very similar, okay? So if it's a weed or a tear, whatever you want to say, it's just a similar plant. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it have tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Don't you want us to go pick the tares up? That's what's being said. Verse number 29. But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Do any of y'all have any idea what he is talking about? Any of y'all? Any, 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 any hints? What y'all got? Anything? What's he talking about? Two similar plants. Do we need to go pluck some of the plants out? Anything? People being saved. Okay, how good. That's good, Evan. All right, people being saved. Anything else? You can't wait until the harvest. You have to wait until the harvest. 
Wait until the harvest. Okay, wait until the harvest. These are good things. Anything else? All right, very good. This is awesome because in verse number 36, what does it say? Do y'all have little titles above y'all? Okay, thank you, thank you, Kelly. The parable of the wheat. What? Explain. Very good. Okay, so we don't have to sit there and try to interpret it the best that we can because Jesus actually is going to tell us exactly what it means. Verse number 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, which is interesting, right? Jesus sent the crowd away. Why is that? He went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Which is interesting, right? Why did the disciples come to Jesus and ask him this question? Because they didn't what? They didn't understand. Does your lack of understanding prevent you from asking God what this means? Does your lack of understanding cause you to doubt God? Does your lack of understanding cause you to stop in your foot tracks right then? I'm going to tell you something real quick. You don't have to know all the Bible to have a relationship with Christ. And the parts of Scripture you don't understand is not a reason for you to stop in your tracks right there. Because God says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lead my sheep. Little by little, we're going to grow, right? It's really cool. Here we go. So then, he answered and said unto them, which is great because at least Jesus didn't say, no, figure it out on your own. Okay? Hey, if you come present and you're spiritually ready and you're prepared and you're ready to apply, God's not going to withhold from you what you need in your life. Are you following with me? But this is interesting because did he tell this to the whole crowd? Did the whole crowd ask Jesus, what did this mean? No, a whole crowd acted like they knew what it meant. I don't want you to go to camp and have something happen and be like, yeah, okay, I think that means I need to be nicer to my mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went to camp and, and I just got to love my friends a lot better. Are y'all, are, y'all trying, are y'all picking up what I'm throwing down here? It's much more than that. It's much deeper. Are you wanting a deeper relationship with the Lord? Are you satisfied with acting like you know what's going on? Are you satisfied with sitting in here acting like you know everything that's being said? Right? Verse number 37. He answered and said to them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, which is who? Jesus, Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Where did the devil plant the tares in the weeds? Among the wheat. Among the wheat. And whose field? God's. Before you go to camp and think you as an individual are being spiritually attacked and that you as an individual, you know, it's all riding on me. It's all riding on me. Hey, newsflash. The devil does not care about the wheat. The devil cares about messing up the field. Are you following with me? This is very important. You have to understand that God's under attack. Antichrist, right? You might be saying, James, I don't understand what you're saying. God is under attack. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. The devil will never defeat Christ. I mean, he never will, okay? But does that mean he's ever going to stop attacking? No, okay, very good. Now you might be asking, why is that? Who's got Genesis 3.15? I promise I'm going to explain it. Genesis 3.15? Trent, you got it for me? What's it say? Really loud. 
And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring. So this is after Adam and Eve sinned. I'll put enmity between you and who? Alright, keep going. And, and hers. He will crush your head and you will crush the Alright, so basically he says, there's going to be a descendant. There's going to be the only begotten son for God so loved the world that I'm going to sin. And guess what, Satan? You have deceived right here. You have deceived the truth. You've made truth look very close. Remember, hey, look, this fruit. Remember what did the devil do? Did he tell him a complete lie? What did he do? Told him a half truth. Hey, them tares in the field look a lot like the wheat. They look a lot like the wheat. They look a lot like half-truths out there, right? And what we think to do is, man, well, let's go pick up all the tares. Let's go rip up all the tares. No, 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 no. You've got to understand. The attack is on the kingdom of God, not your wheat. Which is important because guess what? The kingdom of God through Christ is going to do what with the devil's head? Crush it. And the devil's best attack is a nibble at the heel. So the wheat and tares, right? The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Verse number 40 is, Therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse number 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why would he say that at the end? He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why would Jesus say that? Was it? He wants everybody to hear. He wants everybody to hear. So a couple of things that's very interesting with the wheat and tares, right? There was another element, right? The hired servants. Now it says at night, when were these tares sown? I mean, when were these tares sown? Sorry, I pushed it. At night, right? And who came about and did it? The devil, right? So whenever the servants wake up, what's interesting is they actually notice what? Remember, these things looked a lot alike. But what did these hired servants know? Early on, what did they know? There's something off. There's something going on. There's tares among the wheat, right? They had some sort of discernment. Y'all following with me? Now with that being said, what did the servants want to do? Go rip them up. Go rip them up. Let me go get them. The reason I say that is this. Those tares among the wheat, God says, lead them. I'll handle it. You've got to understand, the battle is not about you. The battle is with the kingdom of God and Satan doing everything he can to deceive you and to try and dilute, avert any truth of anyone Entering into the kingdom of heaven. Y'all follow with me? That's where the battle's at. So if you go into camp with the expectation that, man, spiritual warfare is going to come right at me, and I am just ready for it because it's all riding on me, and then all of a sudden, one bad thing's going to happen. Because let me tell you, it's going to happen. 
If you're a hired servant, that means you have discernment over the field. That means if you're a born-again believer, you have discernment on the kingdom of God. You have discernment on what's taking place. So when you go to camp and you're all of a sudden something bad's going to happen, you're going to know, okay, there's a tear out there. And I cannot pay attention to this message until I go confront him. How many of y'all have done that? How many of y'all have sat through a message and all you're thinking about is something else going on? It's just a tear in your life. It's just a tear. Right? It's just a tear. And what's interesting is we'll go try and pick and tears and what's going to be the problem when you go pick tears? You mess up the wheat. You mess up the wheat. Are y'all following with me? We're gonna, I wish we could spend more time on the parable of the wheat and tares, but I had to do it really, really quick. I wanted to give y'all a little bit of story because I told y'all I'd give some stories along the way. Some of it's fabricated, but some of it's very, very true because I did go to New York, okay? That's not the only truth about it. No, I'm kidding. I went to New York when I was probably about, uh, I think I was about 12 years old, okay? I went to New York when I was about 12 years old, and I want to be very, very clear here. The devil's attack on God is only deceit. That's all he can offer you. The devil will present love and give you lust. Are you following with me? The devil will present satisfaction and you get discontentment. Y'all following with me? Very, very good. So whenever I went to New York, I was about 12 years old. I did go to New York. This is very, very true. Not all of it's true. Just be very, very careful. Okay. Well, my mom gave me $20. Okay, $20. That's, y'all know that's not true. She don't give me any money. Okay. $20. All right. She gave me $20. Okay. I had $20 when I went to New York. And I went to New York and I had a great time. And it was during the, I believe it was during the time period when one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were out. And I went to Times Square and I loved it so much. I mean, I was just like, oh, this is so cool, right? This is awesome. And then on the big screen, I mean, it's just like a giant jumbotron. New Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And, and it wasn't even in 3D, but it looked like 3D because I was right there, okay? And I'm sitting there and I'm watching that and I'm like, man, I really want that. I want that so bad. Okay. All right, and I keep walking, right? Whatever. Well, it was one of those late nights and you got to know about New York. You got to be careful what, what streets you go down. It's very scary. It's very, very scary, okay? Well, we were going down one street. You know how everyone down there, they're selling stuff on the side or whatever? I didn't know anything. I was about 12 years old. I'm going to roll it out like a little napkin, all right, with these movies there. And let me tell you something. What movie was right there? Pirates of the Caribbean. And let me tell you something. Two for one. Two for one, okay? I was like 12 years old, two movies, and it was $5. That's a steal. Steal, bro. So Pirates of the Caribbean plus Lanyap, okay? And I'm like, all right, all right. And you know, you know the deal, kind of, right? Wow, okay. Do, do, do. You know, like, all right, I guess I want those. Because, you know, it still seems a little bit weird. But then you're like, wow, okay, the case is real. That is it. That is the same one I saw. That is the same one I saw on the big screen in Times Square. Everyone was talking about in Times Square. That's the same one. Boom, boom. All right, and I'll take it. As I'm going to the hotel, the condos, before Airbnb, so it was even scarier. But we were going to the condo. No one knows where we're going. We're kind of like walking around. Can I tell you, the whole time I'm walking to that condo, what am I thinking about? I'm trying to watch that movie, and I cannot wait. This is awesome. I've got it figured out. This is it. i got a steal. i got a deal. And it barely cost me anything. Well, we got there, and 
get on that TV, put that movie in. It's like some 17-year-old with a recorder. <laughs> and it's grainy. And I thought, what is this? What is this? And I'm bummed out. I'm dissatisfied. But let me tell you something. I wasn't dissatisfied on my way to the room when I thought I got a deal. When I thought I made a smart move in life. So, crazy enough, I wake up the next day and I have $20 in my pocket again. I don't know how that happened. I was with my brother. He may have given me some money out. And then I go to Times Square. And I go into the store. And I say, I want Pirates of the Caribbean, the real one. The real one. Okay? Give me the real one. And he goes, it's going to cost you $20. That's all I have. $20 is all I have. It's going to cost me surrendering all I have, money-wise, to get this movie. stupid story. It really is. But let me tell you something. A lot of us have only given God a little bit of our life and think that's it. And you're walking around with counterfeit movies. You're walking around with pirated movies. Let me tell you something. When you give your life to Christ, you surrender it all to Him. And anything less is counterfeit. So you might go to camp, I'm saying that for this reason. You might go to camp and God's really working on you and you're like, all right, God, you're really pointing out my relationships now. And God, yeah, you're really picking out my priorities. And now you're really picking out uh, about mom and dad. And you're really picking out about these different little things. And what you're going to end up doing is exactly what the devil wants you to do. You're going to start trying to run and pick up all them tears up. And think, all right, whenever I start respecting my mom, I'm going to be a better Christian. And then I'm going to get out of that relationship and be a better Christian. And go back to there. And I'm going to disrespect my mom again. And you keep going and you're picking up all these tears over and over and over again. When it's very simple. Hey, hired servant, just water the field. Submit your desires of what you think needs to be done and surrender it all to me. Are you following with me? Please don't go to camp thinking I'm going to surrender one part of my life and think you're going to be right with God. You either surrender it all or you got counterfeit. You following with me? Is that making sense to you guys? Where's our next passage? Do we have enough time? 35. Yeah, I made a promise to you guys. We're going to be closing out here. Okay, the wheat and tears. We're going to close it out right here. So we've got a good point to close it out. So we had our big point number one, which is you've got to be present. You've got to be prepared. Prepared. You've got to be willing to apply. It's very important. Number two, don't limit God with your human expectations on how He should act. And number three, remember, God is under attack. God is under attack. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And if you want to know what's best for the kingdom of God, it's full surrender, not giving up a little bit and saying I'm right with God. Remember we talked about last week about building our house? A lot of us like the 
say we're building a house for the Lord, but not all areas we've given to Him, well, that house isn't the Lord's. He's not going to stamp something that's only half given to Him. You don't have a relationship with Christ if your whole life is not His. And you can walk around New York thinking you've got the real deal because you only gave up a little bit and you've gotten some counterfeit, but in your mind you think you're good until you plug it into the TV, until trials come, until tears appear, and how you react will very much show you if you trust God or not. Because guess what? Do you know why God lets the tares grow among the wheat? This is really, really cool. Do you know why? Mercy. Mercy's one. What's another reason? Why does God allow the tares to grow among the wheat? Why does God allow evil things to happen in this world? Connor said mercy. Hey, here's the part that's crazy. I hope y'all, hope y'all, hope y'all really get this. Hope y'all really get this. That counterfeit that you think you're so satisfied with in your life that the devil has given you and you've accepted and you think, man, I've really got it figured out now. Let me just tell you something about the wheat and the tares. It doesn't matter how many tares are in the field. The harvest is coming. And let me tell you something. God wins. God does right. Despite the devil's best efforts, it has no hold on Christ. No hold. So why does God allow evil things to happen as if you would say? It's to show you that despite the devil's best efforts, God's glory always prevails. But you always choose and chase after the one who planted the tares instead of trusting in the one who said, I'm going to handle all your problems. All your problems. All I need you to do is surrender. So again, we're getting ready for camp. Those are some three things that you want to do. We're going to hit the other two points next week. But I want you to get this real quick. Because we're about two weeks away from camp. And if God's moving tonight, are you going to wait till camp to make a decision for the Lord? How many of you are waiting till camp to give something up? How many of you are waiting to camp to start giving your life to Christ? How many of you are waiting for a pinnacle moment in your life and then saying, at that point, then I'm going to fully surrender to God? You following with me? Don't wait. Don't wait. Okay, I'm going to choose somebody to pray us out. You got me? Zach. Zach, okay, because I don't want to take any more time. All right, Zach, take place. Sorry, guys, I want a little bit.